with me. It's in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We're following through a series in Luke. Um, Steve has done the previous verses in this chapter. But I just want to say that the story we're going to read this morning is, is not detached from those other stories which Steve brought to us. In fact, it's very much attached to them. And I shall bring out one or two of those, those points in a minute. Um, just to notice that in this passage, Luke 7, Jesus has been pointing out things he's noticed in people. Things about the centurion, things about the centurion's servant, things about a dead man, things about John the Baptist, and now some things about a sinful, what is called a sinful woman. But she's, as far as the culture was concerned, she was just a notorious woman, not a troublemaker, but ostracized, not really part of the community. They didn't consider her part of the community. The word sinner is just used in a very loose way in the chapter, but Jesus has pointed her out as a specific example for us today. So let's just read these verses in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who's this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Healthy options. It's about fruit and veg. 
entirely particularly for the children, but you can answer them in your head. And of course, there's no shouting out, but if you do shout out, you're forgiven in a place like this, all right? Well, we hope you are anyway. Here's the first one. I can be very dirty. As I spent all my earlier days underground, I'm quite ugly. But when I'm smartened up, I'm world famous. You got that one? Sorry, John. It's my age, you know. I'll read that again. This little game's called Healthy Options. It's about fruit and veg. Here's the first one. I can be very dirty as I spent all my earlier days underground. I'm quite ugly, but when I'm smartened up, I'm world famous. Have you got that one? You should have got it. I'll come back at the end and we'll go through it and see how many you've got right. In my prime, I'm red all over. Smaller than some, I love sunbathing, and at my best, when it's really hot. Trouble is, if I'm left alone, I collapse easily when the pressure comes. Do you think you've got it? Put your hand up. Do you think you've got it? If you don't think, if you, who thinks they haven't got it? Oh, okay. <laughs> Here's number three. Upside down. I'm bigger at the hips than the chest. As to my colour, I'm similar to that lovely round fruit, but my reputation goes a long way back and I'm supposed to help people see in the dark. Oh, I got that one? Yes, of course. Number four. I really improve the flavour of many meals. Cooked or raw, but I have an unfortunate reputation that gives people gas. Have you got that one? Good. Number five. I'm a lightweight, spend a lot of time in the dark. If you have ever heard of the renowned Derek Bingham, it said I don't like him very much, so Derek says. You got that one? It might be very limited to a few people who got that one. April will know. Number six. I'm green and soft like butter at times. But even now, I'm not so popular as the other guy at number one. So what was number one? It was potato. You got that one. Number two was raspberry. Ooh. Number three was the carrot. Number four was the onion. Number five was the mushroom. And number six was the avocado. Six out of six? Anybody got six out of six? No? Five out of six? Oh, two, five out of six, four out of six? Oh, a few more. Oh, you're doing quite well. You're more intelligent than what I thought. Okay, let's move on from the guessing games. Just going to have our second song now.
to be bearing the iPad's playing up. It wants to do Wi-Fi instead of the connection. Right, well, I'm not sure what to do about that. Um, it's saying to me, connect to Wi-Fi to play music. We're connected. Uh, any ideas? No? Technology. Three times practice and the last time fail. Okay. Let's try again. No. Okay, we like to put the words up, Paul, do you think? And everybody needs compassion. Though we'll have to just read through this while I feel... With our story this morning, one thing we, we notice about Jesus is his absolute compassion for people. Having said earlier that there is connection to other things in the story, when Jesus met the woman coming out with, to bury her son, he was dead on there. You read something in there, it says his heart went out towards her. The same thing is in our story today, as this woman comes to him, his heart goes out towards her. That's only the second time we read in the New Testament about Jesus' heart. Some of you have been reading the book, Lowly and Humble. And that refers to one of the lovely texts in the New Testament when Jesus invited people to come to him when he said, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In a sense, what Jesus said to that woman who was coming out, his heart went out towards her. That's his compassion. And he said to the woman, don't cry. The compassion of Jesus. This song is about the compassion. Everyone needs Compassion. You can play it. Okay. Thanks, Helen. Let's just look at these words still and then. Everyone needs forgiveness the kindness of a saviour, the hope of, the hope of nations. And I think during this time of COVID, the, the whole world needs a sense of the hope that can be found in Jesus, isn't it? So amazing. What we find in our story this morning is just this wonderful sense of Jesus' kindness and compassion. How can we measure what he's worth? in our heart to each one of us this morning and you measure that do you know yourself how much you love him can you measure that Jesus measured the love of this woman and I suppose the key verse we have before this morning what Jesus said to Simon when he asked him the question now which one of them will love me more Jesus was obviously measuring something between these two, between Simon and the woman. 
And it seems to be the love he was measuring. How do you measure the love in your heart for him this morning? Are there certain things that you do or you certain things that you don't do? You say, well, I do that because I love him. And whilst every disciple of God, their love is measured. It's not measured by condemnation or amount, but because of his own love for us. Love is measured between a couple, isn't it? In a sense, on the marriage day, I suppose the love is the love equal? How much do you measure that love? And I suppose it's only the end of the journey which measures the love you have in your heart. And sadly today, a lot of the love doesn't last. But it helps us to recount, think why we married that person in the first place. It was the love. Was it his love that drew you to him? Was it his love that made you make a decision for him? Was it his love for you that's made the changes in your life? But I think this morning there were certain things this woman did that were actually a measure of her love. As I said earlier, we look at it in the context of the rest of the chapter. When the centurion had a servant who was sick, about to die. As a Roman centurion, he had the right to shoot him, or equivalent, to dismiss him, to move him out the way so that he could get another servant. But it shows something in the, in the, in the heart of the centurion to actually send elders of the Jews to Jesus that he might heal him. Those elders of the Jews went to Jesus and they say, You've got to do something for his servant because he loves our nation. Now, how do you rate the word love there? He loves our nation and he's built us a synagogue. Well, the love wasn't the marriage love, the love between people. It was the fact that he had respect and regard for the nation of Israel and he wanted to demonstrate that in some way. And I say that because the word love in the story that we've read this morning is the same word, agapao. She did something to show that she loved him. It was practically she demonstrated her love towards him. And I suppose all through our lives, as Christians, that call on our lives to do things because we love him. How do we measure the love? Within the context of church, how do we measure our love for Jesus? In the New Testament, we have the verse, where there are two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So it makes the reason of church a lot deeper than what we think it is sometimes. Especially when you wake up in the morning, you say, I don't feel like it this morning. Well, Jesus is there. Aren't you going to see him? Don't you want to go say hello to him? Don't you want to go and talk to your friends about him this morning? 
measuring our love by the things we do. And because the woman in our story this morning, that was the last place she either should have been seen or would have felt comfortable at going in was to a Pharisee's house. So what made the difference? Well, Jesus was there. That's why she got, I can just imagine her at home, shall I? Shan't I? Will he, what will he say when I get there? What, what will Simon say? They, they don't, those Pharisees don't like me. The fact that Jesus was there called her to where he was. It was a measure of her love that she finally made decision to get up and go because she knew he was there. There are many times in church life where we think, I don't feel like it, I just don't want to do that. They do it better than what I do it. Shall I go? Shan't I go? And our presence is highly important. Presence in church is one of the most important things we have as demonstrating our loves to God and for Jesus. I say it again because I believe it's important. Our presence within the context of the gathered community is one of the highest demonstrations of our love for Jesus. You say, well, they won't miss me this morning. Well, maybe they won't. I've got nothing to say this morning, nothing to do. That's possible. You may not. But presence is important. She had every reason not to go where Jesus was, but she took courage, was bold enough, she went. She went to where she was, but, and she didn't go unprepared. Because I think this morning, one of the main things we learn from this story this morning is the context of worship. What have I got to offer? What have I got to give to Jesus? What have I got to say about him this morning? And one of the highest priorities of church meeting together is to worship Jesus. That's our first Point. That's our first commitment to coming together, is to worship him. Above everything else, our worship is to him. She bought what she pressured, what she treasured the most. It maybe was her only valuable thing that she had, and that was this jar of perfume. And she brought it, and she took it, and ultimately she broke it, and she... The smell of the perfume, whatever that was, obviously pervaded the house where she was. And she gave it to Jesus. The question rises, when I come into the gathered community of the church, what do I bring with me? Have I brought something? <laughs> Is the question, or have I brought nothing? The sense of praise, the sense of worship, the sense of adoration for Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 14, in the context of the church, Paul writes to them, everyone has a word, everyone has a hymn, everyone has something to bring and to contribute to the gathering. This is not a word of condemnation, but just a reflection. When Beacon first started, you had a job to get a word in, in, in the Sunday morning service. You had to wait to get in the queue to say something or praise Jesus. And I'd like to see that again. 
And I say that because we've not got the opportunity at the moment in this COVID situation to do what we want to do as a church. But we want to come back, don't we, with a fresh vigour and a fresh appreciation of Jesus and voice what we feel in our heart. But it's a question of our love. How am I going to demonstrate my love in praise and worship? So it's said about, Jesus said about Simon, and he's, Jesus is obviously measuring the love. But it's not a point of condemnation. Jesus is praised and worshipped and honoured when we demonstrate our love to him. But it's not condemnation. It's just a return of that love for which he loved us. He's looking for that. You, to said to Simon, you gave no water... You gave my water for my feet. You gave no water for my feet. She kissed my feet and anointed my feet. Why the preoccupation with feet? We don't know. It doesn't say in the chapter. But in a sense, when we come together, are we preoccupied with Jesus? Whatever part means most to us. Are we preoccupied with him? She was preoccupied with his feet. Apparently, according to those who look into these things, during his life, Jesus travelled about 21,525 miles in his life. That's a long way. But someone said, that's almost a journey around the world. But the shortest distance he went was the road from judgment to the cross but it was the furthest he ever went. His feet went those last few steps to the cross for each one of us. That was the shortest distance he traveled physically, but the furthest he'd ever traveled. The question is, are there things about Jesus that mean that much to us that we want to be preoccupied in praise and worship for what he's done? for each one of us. Lots of times in the New Testament we read they fell at his feet. The woman who had the issue of blood bleeding for so many years and the doctors couldn't help her, we read she fell at his feet and touched the hem of his garment because it was an act of honour. When we come together as a gathered church, our preoccupation should be with the honour of Jesus because he loved us and he gave himself for us and that's what we do that's what we continue to do so I just wanted us to encourage us when we come back together as a church we have lots to say lots to thank him for lots to praise him and that we can shout it out without being masked and we can sing it out loud and sing his praise because of all that he's done for us. So when we come back together and we meet together as a church, it should be a token as an opportunity to express our love for Jesus, praising him and thanking him. The issue of her sins, well... I believe that was dealt with before she came. 
you may have different ideas about that. But there's a nuance at the end about when Jesus said, it's your faith that saved you, go in peace. I believe she struggled, she struggled with the fact that she was forgiven. Jesus said she had been forgiven in the story. The nuance there is that it was her inner struggle that couldn't accept that she was forgiven. And maybe that's for you this morning. Maybe there's still an inner struggle in here. You know, the forgiveness of God, that forgiveness, forgiveness of all the past, forgiveness in the present, forgiveness in the future. Everything, your slate is wiped clean by Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I think if we really took that in, that our slate was clean, there'll be chaos here Sunday morning. Let there be chaos again. Because that could be. What she did was outrageous. It was really. Let it be outrageous again. To honour Jesus for all that he's done for each one of us. We're just going to finish with this... uh, Wonderful song, and I hope I can get it up here.